Welcome back to another episode of One Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this episode, we are going to be looking at the Patriots and their game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll be looking at the Red Sox and their playoff race, the wild card race, and everything going on with the uh, with um, that and Celtics news. Um, so let's go. Let's get started. So this was a big game, Patriots versus Buccaneers. This was the game of games everyone was waiting for because we have two guys here in Mac Jones, the rookie, and Tom Brady, the veteran, who are facing off former quarterback, current quarterback, former um, star in New England, future, um, you know, star, hopefully, in Mac Jones. Tom Brady didn't have a touchdown in the game. He had 269 yards, 22 for 43. Tampa Bay Buccaneers won 19-17 to with a missed field goal by Nick Folk which um, he was perfect up until that point. Mac Jones was um, solid, 31 of 42 touchdowns, one interception. Um, obviously, um, couldn't get it done, um, unfortunately, but they did have a good game. Nonetheless, we saw when it came to rushing, Patriots weren't that good. They really didn't have anyone who rushed at all. Their rushing carries were eight. Their yards total was minus four. That was that was rough. Um, so, yeah, not so good. The rushing for the other side was much better. 20 carries, 91 yards for uh, Leonard Fournette, and six carries, 25 yards for Ronald Jones, and four carries, three yards for Tom Brady. Mac Jones had one carry for minus one yards. That says something. This was definitely more of a passing game, and what we had was... The receiving core, eight receptions, 70 yards um, for Jacoby Myers, five receptions, 58 yards for Kendrick Bourne, three receptions, 55 yards for Nelson Aguilar, six receptions, 51 yards for Brandon Bolden, Hunter Henry, four receptions, 32 yards, one touchdown, three receptions, 14 yards, one touchdown, Jonu Smith. So that is that. Not the greatest. And yeah, the Buccaneers... Um, None of their guys here um, had a touchdown except for Ronald Jones, which was a running touchdown. Um, and um, they had one of those, uh, no touchdowns in the uh, passing world. Um, so tough, uh, tough there. Defensive side of things, we had uh, some fumbles. One fumble, lost fumble, J.J. Taylor, and then Tampa Bay uh I think Sherman recovered that uh, fumble right there, which was, um, yeah, that was uh, something. So, uh, yeah, Tampa Bay uh, got that. Defensive-wise, we got one sack from Matthew Judon, which was the only sack of the game for them. We got four sacks on the other side for Tampa Bay. Um, One interception, Antonio Winfield. Kick returns, Brandon Bolden, one for 25. And then punt returns, Gunnar Rozlowski, two, um, 17 yards. And Nick Folk was 50% kicking, one of two, missing the all-important victorious one that they could have had. Patriots are one and three, Miami's one and three, New York is one and three. So not a good game right there. But it was a homecoming for Tom Brady, and after a rocky relationship 
at the end with the Patriots, Tom Brady is a lot happier. And I think, you know, he was ready to split. He had won six Super Bowls with the Patriots, had been to his fair share, I think nine total, if you include the losses to the Eagles and the Giants. It was a very, very tough road to get to where they were. And Brady was there through all of it, and he felt like he had enough. I mean, Bill Belichick made the situation so that Tom Brady had no choice but to leave, whether it was keeping Garoppolo and basically trying to use him as your starting quarterback and trying to get rid of Tom Brady too, which Robert Kraft stepped in and basically was like, nope, not happening. I am keeping Brady, and you are not getting rid of him. So then, by association... Garoppolo had to get traded because he was going to be up for a contract and you wanted to get something, which they did a second round pick, which didn't really matter. But for Garoppolo, Bill Belichick really wanted him and that stung with Brady, how Brady had been there and now you want this guy to take over. Even at this point, Brady thought he had a lot left and he did. And then you have just the last season in New England in which if you are the greatest quarterback of all time, or one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And what they give you is what they gave you in that last season in New England. There were no great tight ends. The running backs were average at best. And you really had Julian Edelman, who was kind of in and out injured. You had James White, and that was kind of where they were. Not good. And so Tom Brady was not happy, and he obviously left, and that's where he was. Apparently, um... There was some rumors that came out, which they might have been true, I'm not sure, is that back when Brady was uh, a free agent, he contacted Wes Welker and wanted to play with Wes Welker in San Francisco. Well, Welker is a coach with the 49ers. Um, Kyle Shanahan is the head coach. Tom Brady wanted to play in 49ers. That's where his team is. Uh, originally, when he was a kid, he grew up a 49ers fan. And he wanted to play there. But the team at this point was hell-bent on adding in Jimmy Garoppolo. And if Tom Brady was a free agent uh, this season rather than last season, and let's say he stayed with the Patriots an extra year and then was a free agent now, then I think they wouldn't have drafted Trey Lance. I think if Tom Brady said, I'm going, I think they would have said, yeah, that's fine. Because Garoppolo is okay, nothing special, and Brady's the best. So, a little too late. But if that's actually true, which I think it probably is, um, you know, seeing as you're the best, you can play wherever you want, um, that would have been a great situation. George Kittle and Tom Brady, that's pretty good. But he's in Tampa Bay, and no love lost. I think there's a lot of Patriots fans who grew up on Tom Brady. I know I did. And... Now you have a tough decision whether you keep rooting for Tom Brady or you keep rooting for the Patriots. And I think telling the difference between fans and actual bandwagon fans is those bandwagon fans left the Patriots when Brady left. That's just how it is. And they're not real Patriots fans. They're fans of Tom Brady. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of fans of players. There are people who are fans of LeBron and they'll like LeBron Cleveland, Miami, Lakers. If LeBron gets um, another, you know, basketball uh, opportunity after his contract's up in Los Angeles, and let's say he goes and plays with um, 
just as an example, the Denver Nuggets. There are going to be people who are going to leave the Lakers fan base and become Denver Nuggets fans because of LeBron James. So I don't think that's right. I don't think you should be a fan of a player. You should be a fan of a team because bandwagon fans are the worst because they always like the winners and they don't have any real fandom. They just like whatever team's doing great. So they're a fan of, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs until somebody else steps in. And they were a fan of the Patriots. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where, oh, we're a Cowboys fan in the 90s. And then, oh, we're a Patriots fan with Brady. And they're winning championships. And, and then it's like, oh, now I'm a fan of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Look, I think Mahomes is a great quarterback. But I'm not going to just switch my fandom from the Patriots just because they're not as good anymore without Brady. I mean, they'll find someone else. Maybe it's Mac Jones. Maybe it's someone else. But Mac Jones looked good in this game. I mean, he didn't win, but it wasn't a worse game for him. So, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who still love Tom Brady, and I do. But you always want to see the Patriots win if you're a fan. And obviously Tom Brady comes second now because he's not there. And so when Brady left, you kind of had this split of people who are real Patriots fans who stuck by them and will stick by them. And then there are Patriots fans who left because Tom Brady left. And you're not actually Patriots fans, you're Brady fans. And so obviously everyone kind of deals with it on their own. Some people are like, oh, I'm still a Patriots fan, but I'm upset that Tom Brady left. I personally feel like he's done so much for the city, he can do whatever the hell he wants if he wants to play in Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Charlotte, um, with the Panthers, uh, Atlanta Falcons, Cleveland Browns. If he goes wherever he goes. He deserves it because he's done so much already in his first career with the New England Patriots. He will always be a Patriot. There are a lot of great athletes who have pretty solid careers and play pretty much in a bunch of different cities, right? Michael Jordan played his whole career in Chicago, retired, came back, and played in Washington. Does anyone consider him a Washington Wizard? No. They consider him a Chicago Bull because that's where he played. Scottie Pippen played in a bunch of different places or actually I think he played in Seattle after um, his days with the Bulls ended do people think of him as anything else nope Tony Parker played one season with the Charlotte Hornets after his uh, Spurs days were done does anyone think of him anything other than the Spurs not really no Kevin Garnett played with the Timberwolves and the Celtics in Brooklyn but I don't think anyone thinks of him as a Brooklyn net and it's the Celtics and it's the Minnesota Timberwolves where that's where people know him from right Shaquille O'Neal has played in so many different places, but he's first and foremost known as a Laker. Then he's known as a Miami Heat. Then he's known as a Phoenix Sun. And any of the other teams he's played for, which is Cleveland, Boston, etc., are kind of on the back burner. So you don't have to play in one city and expect people to just be, you know, forget that you played there if you played your whole career, right? Carl Malone played for the Lakers at the end of his career. Obviously, he's a Utah Jazz player and is always going to be a Utah Jazz player. There's no question. So you can, you know, play your career somewhere. Manny Ramirez will be known as a Red Sox outfielder because he was there through their first two championships in 04 and 07. And then he, I think, went to the Dodgers and floated around. Doesn't mean anything. He's still, to me, a Red Sox player. And you can play other places. Same with Pedro Martinez. He played with the Mets after the Red Sox. And nobody would say he's anything other than a Red Sox player. He played with other teams before the Red Sox, and you still don't consider him anything other than a Red Sox player. I mean, 
Johnny Damon played most of his career all, all over, whether it's Boston, Kansas City, uh, Oakland, the Yankees. I think people know him as a Red Sox player because of the championship run in 2004. And I think, you know, he was there uh, for uh, the biggest moment. So I don't hate Tom Brady. Obviously, he has to do what's best. And, you know, I think that's how it is. We're, Peyton Manning played with the Colts. Obviously, he's known as an Indianapolis Colt. Went to uh, the Denver Broncos and won championship there. I wouldn't say that people um, have any sort of issue with the fact that he left. The team kind of forced him out. And so, obviously, at this point, he's a fan of football. And he's someone who played on two great, you know, two great organizations. If you're a Broncos fan, obviously... You know, I think the Colts are number one, but, you know, he still played there, and, you know, it's not the end of the world, and you go different places, right? Tom Brady can win two or three Super Bowls in Tampa Bay and have a great career in Tampa Bay. If he only plays five years in Tampa Bay, that's great for him, and he'll still be known as a Patriot, but he'll also be known as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and there's nothing wrong with doing that, because you can be successful in a bunch of different places, and it's not a big deal, so... I got total respect for Tom Brady, and he made the right decision. And any Patriots fan who's really pissed off that he left is not really a Patriots fan because the dynasty was going to end at some point, whether that's Belichick leaving or Brady leaving. Brady chose to leave. He was kind of twisted his arm out to, you know, they kind of forced him out, or at least Belichick did. And, you know, that's what it is. And if you get upset, you get upset. Do I think Belichick has run his course? I personally think he has. But at the end of the day, Brady made the decision for him, and he didn't care about what everyone else thought. And so I 100% believe Brady is a great quarterback, still a great quarterback. He's always going to be a Patriots quarterback. But he just ended up leaving because it was his right decision. And don't get upset. And, you know, that's just how it is. I know there's a lot of Patriots fans out there who are upset, and, you know, they get pissed off that he left. And, I mean... It is what it is. If it's what's good for you, it's good for you. You've done more than enough for the Patriots to make them a dynasty. And you people shouldn't complain. It's time to move on. It was a good game. Patriots ended up losing, but overall it wasn't that bad. And things worked out in the end for Brady. And I think, you know, Mac Jones could be the future. And, I mean, my hope is we have another great quarterback succeeding a great quarterback, right? Brett Favre, Green Bay Packers, great quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Fame quarterback, one after the other. Obviously, Cam Newton was stuck in the middle, but Tom Brady, Mac Jones, hopefully Mac Jones is the best of the best. And I think it's going to take a while, but he could be a good quarterback someday, and maybe that'll come soon. So uh, it was a good game. Moving on to the biggest of the biggest playoff games in the wild card race this is a one game playoff so going into sunday there was a very good chance that we could have had a four-way tie the way that it was set up um the red sox were tied with the yankees for the number one and number two wild card spots and and um the blue jays in seattle were a game back so if the red sox and yankees both lost their matchups which could have well happened and the Blue Jays in Seattle won their matchups we would have had a four-way tie now 
That would have left the Red Sox, who have a winning record against the Yankees this season, the Blue Jays this season, and Seattle as the number one no matter what. But when it comes to everything else, that would have been more uh, tough to, to deal with because I believe the Yankees held the, the victories over Seattle but not the Blue Jays, and I think Seattle might have um, held the victories over the Blue Jays. I'm not too sure on that, but... We didn't end up getting that. The Toronto Blue Jays ended up winning. Seattle lost, but the Red Sox won, and so did the Yankees. So the Red Sox, with a better record than the Yankees, play at home. Uh, Red Sox-Yankees wild card game, number one game uh, going into the playoffs. Um, it's St. Louis versus the Dodgers, who the Dodgers have a better record than basically everyone in baseball except for the Giants, which sucks because the Giants are in their division. Um, but they are probably going to beat St. Louis. Then we have the Red Sox versus the Yankees, which is the premier game, the battle of the battle. So, fun fact, the last time there was a play-in game for the Red Sox and the Yankees was back in 1978 when Bucky Dent hit his famous home run, and apparently uh, it was like one of the greatest baseball games that they've played against each other. And if you watch any rivalry videos or rivalry, you know, movies about the Red Sox versus the Yankees, odds are you'd find the 1978 Bucky Dent home run squeezed in there somewhere because it is uh, part of the history between these two teams. And now we have more history. We have the Red Sox who, over the last 25 years, the last 20 years or so, has been um, the greatest probably the greatest American League franchise. The fact that they have four uh, championships from the year 2004 until current, um, they're up there for sure. And then you have the Yankees, who are probably the greatest franchise in all of baseball history because of their 27 rings. Granted, the majority of their 27 rings came before the year 1980, so before the modern era of baseball, if you will. But they are, you know, a lot of names that are retired a lot of um you know hanging banners so they are you know obviously a historic franchise and this is going to be a big game red sox have nathan Yavaldi, the yankees have garrett cole and this is kind of sort of the giant versus uh the little guy in a sense because the yankees even at the deadline traded for some big names joey gallo and anthony rizzo red sox just added kyle schwarber and some relievers so they didn't go super crazy. The Yankees have spent a lot of money on Judge and, you know, Stanton and pitchers. And yes, the Red Sox have Chris Sale and Yavaldi, who are both expensive. But Rodriguez isn't as expensive. And, you know, the other guys are kind of cheaper contracts. And they do have some big money on their roster as well. But it's not as uh, big. And they made some great signings uh, on the offseason. You know, Hernandez has been a good piece. Hunter Renfro's helped out. So, yeah, it's a pretty good situation for the Red Sox to be in at home against the Yankees. They do have a 9-10 and 10, or 10-9 and 9 record despite losing, uh, I believe, their last three against the Yankees in a sweep series. Um, this one's going to be good. Chris Sale, in his last appearance, only pitched three innings, which he was coming up a little hobbled, but maybe they only put him in for three because they knew maybe this game they would need him. And so if Nathan Uvalde is not getting it done, which I think he can, um, maybe Chris Sale comes in. I mean, the bullpen is the biggest issue for the Red Sox. 
you can go from your pitcher to your closer that's great but the in the middle the relievers aren't really doing so good right you have matt barnes who's okay as a closer adam adovino has been doing a lot better as their closer but the the relievers have always been their issue because they got great hitting and obviously devers and bogarts and you know, their core group of guys at this point is pretty solid. Hernandez at second base, um, even Dahlback's kind of doing well at first. So they have a great infield, and they're outfield with Renfro, and they have Kyle Schwarber, and they have Verdugo. Is also has also been pretty good. So um, this is going to be an interesting game because I think the Red Sox have a legitimate chance to win. Unfortunately, Yankees, Red Sox, whoever wins this is probably not going to be the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, who are the best in the uh, American League. They, uh, Tampa Bay um, beat the Yankees in two of three um, to end it. Obviously, the Yankees won the last one, but it was uh, two of three there. So it's going to be a tough battle on both sides, whoever um, comes out on top. I don't know if Tampa Bay can be easily you know, defeated. Maybe. Um, but I will say I am a uh, a fan of um, this uh, baseball. This is what makes baseball good. Baseball for the last few years has had a lot of issues with the fact that it's too long and it wastes a lot of time and, you know, it's just hard to watch at times. But I will be watching this one because it's going to be a good one. And, you know, playoff baseball, there's something about it that you don't really get in a lot of sports, right? It's seven games. Sometimes you're going to the wire and especially with the Red Sox in recent years they've been through a lot of crazy games and a lot of playoff games whether it's David Ortiz hitting his home run against the Tigers or the you know stolen base by Dave Roberts in 2004 or unfortunately Aaron jo uh, Aaron uh, Boone hitting the home run in 2003 ruining the Red Sox season just it all happens and it's been great to watch baseball wise so I'm looking forward to the game. Red Sox hopefully win, but Tampa Bay is a tough uh, target. Houston's a tough target. I don't think they can win um, the next round if they make it to the next round. Celtics news. So the Boston Celtics have been getting ready with training camp media day, and according to Itame Udoka, he wants to have a consistent starting lineup. Now, I don't know if that means that he's going to have these players starting and then eventually getting um, to the end and playing the last minutes of the game. I don't know if the Celtics, um, you know, will have a starting group and then it'll switch. I don't know if there's a lineup that's starting the game and a lineup that's finishing the game. We don't really know, but Yudoka wants to keep some sort of, um, he wants to keep some sort of consistency because he doesn't like having to switch players around based on, you know, different, um, you know, Situations he wants, you know, a sort of set group rather than situational, situ situational basketball. And so we got ourselves our first game of the season, preseason that is. It is the Orlando Magic and the Boston Celtics. For the Celtics' point of view and kind of where they went with this one, they ended up winning by one, and it came down to the last seconds where Romeo Langford hit a very important three-pointer to get them where they needed to go. The starting lineup, at least when this game um, took off, was Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, and Juancho Hernan Gomez. So um, 
Jalen Brown played the shooting guard. Tatum played the small forward. Uh, Hernan Gomez played the power forward. And Robert Williams played the center. And then off the bench, they had Nesmith, who was uh, at the end of the game. Al Horford had 18 minutes. Um, Nesmith had 10 points. Um, and, you know, he was um, he was there at the end of the game. Langford had 10 minutes, 7 points. Was the big shot to finish it. 9 points for Peyton Pritchard. Um, and so, I think for the Boston Celtics, we don't really know what their starting lineup is going to be. I think the good thing about this sort of, um, you know, training camp games is that you get a chance to actually have, you know, a chance to see who's going to work and who's not, right? Obviously, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and probably Robert Williams are not going to play that much. They did play a lot this game, but as it goes on, they probably won't play as much because, you're going to be wanting to look for the other starters, right? First thing you're going to want to do is see if Al Horford is, you know, the guy who's going to start, right? Robert Williams is your center for the moment. But if Al Horford proves himself, Al Horford's your starting center, right? You're going to want to see how Aaron Nesmith does. He had 15 minutes. Dennis Schroeder does. He had 20 minutes. Pritchard, 22 minutes. Josh Richardson, 24 minutes. So you want to see how these guys did. Hernan Gomez had 17 minutes. I don't think Hernan Gomez is starting. My ideal starting lineup, and this is just me, is probably this. I think Dennis Schroeder starts at the point guard. I think Marcus Smart starts at the shooting guard. Jalen Brown at the small forward. Jason Tatum at the power forward. And at the center position, Al Horford. Now, let me go through and tell you why. Obviously, we know why Smart, Tatum, and Brown are starting, so we'll skip that. But why Schroeder and why not somebody else? So... I think Schroeder has the experience. I think Schroeder has a great ability to score, shoot the basketball, do things that Marcus Smart really can't do. I think Marcus Smart's great on defense. He's great at ball handling and all that other stuff. I think Pritchard um, is still young, too raw, not good enough yet. Schroeder can kind of play off ball, play on ball. They can switch. Obviously, Schroeder's a better shooter. And so Schroeder might get more shooting guard minutes in the starting lineup and point guard minutes. But I think he deserves to be a starter because he's been successful. I think he had average 18 points a game in Oklahoma City as their point guard. Obviously, that's uh, a different situation because you have Oklahoma City, who at that time had a bunch of veterans, um, and then they kind of had their mass exodus trading away Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, and a bunch of other players. I think Gallinari left, and Schroeder was uh, sent to the Lakers. And so for um, Schroeder, he's deserving of that spot. And then at the center position, I think Al Horford has been playing good and has been making the case to be a starter. And I think he has the experience. He is someone who's great on defense but also can kind of stretch his range, which is something that Robert Williams really can't do. Robert Williams is great on defense, but he doesn't stretch his range. He's not someone who can step back for two or step back for three. Granted, Horford's not a great shooter, but someone who, you know, takes his shots. Rob Williams, 0 for 0, 3-point attempts. Al Horford, 1 for 4. Not saying that's great, but for him, stretching his range a little bit, it gives you a chance to actually see uh, what he can do. And I think coming back to Boston, where, you know, he really had a good portion of his career, is it's a good thing, right? He is older, but it's a good thing to come back and, you know, potentially get in there and be, uh, you know, a good player again with this team. It sounds like, which could all be smoke and mirrors, um, 
The only reason he left Boston in the first place was money. And Philadelphia was offering the money that the Celtics weren't, which I don't think that's true. And I think the Celtics could have um, matched or done better with every single offer. So Al Horford coming back and saying, oh, you know, it's great to be back. And it was all money that kind of pushed me to Philadelphia. That's all BS to me. And I think in all actuality, maybe he didn't want to stay at that time. And maybe he's just grateful to come back because it's a good situation. Different coach, but good situation. So, you know... This is a good thing because we saw a close game and we saw, you know, how Yudoka can kind of work with these players when it comes down to the wire. And, you know, this is an important game um, and sort of this preseason stuff is important because, you know, you got all these guys here who come and they're new guys and they're young guys and they're kind of figuring themselves out, right? Romeo Langford really hasn't had a full season of being sort of, you know, healthy. And, you know, Nesmith is coming at, coming off of a rookie year that was very interesting. It wasn't great by any means. And so, you know, if Romeo Langford can kind of prove himself a little bit and maybe do what he kind of is known to do, then, um, you know, I think that's kind of where they go here. So... I think, obviously, Romeo Langford is, um, you know, a great player, uh, potentially, uh, coming up, and, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's something to, uh, to see. Uh, we'll see how they do in their next few games before the season starts, and hopefully it works. Um, you know, these young guys show us a little bit of, you know, promise. That's all that matters. Romeo Langford, if you watch the game, changed his jersey number from number 45 to number 9, which I personally don't think that's a number that should be used at the moment because I still remember that number as Rondo's number, and Rondo had a great career in Boston. And I don't think that number will get retired because I don't think Rondo is deserving of getting a retired number, although he does have a championship in Los Angeles as well as with Celtics. Maybe he does get it retired. I don't know. Um, but I just saw that, and I, it just kind of uh, was a little weird for me. Uh, Romeo Langford did it because he thought the number 45 was big and made him look a little chunky, which, um, uh, that's, I guess, his reasoning, but I still think that number should be kind of held off for a little while, at least until we know for sure Rondo is not getting his number retired, because, I don't know, uh, we'll see, uh, with that, so, uh, yeah, good game against Orlando, it looked like an up-and-down battle, and... Yeah, that's where we are. So we're going to look at this next article just to finish it off, which is Hardwood Houdini. And they put out a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff about Celtics, a lot of stuff about just everything. So they say three C's players that could get dealt before the preseason ends. So the first one is Jabari Parker. And I don't think he could get dealt. I think he could just get released because I think only 100000 is guaranteed. The next person they talk about is Grant Williams. Maybe if, you know, he needs sort of a new change in scenery, maybe this is a trade to, to make. Maybe if Hernan Gomez turns out to be great and turns out to be good and Hernan Gomez is the new guy uh, stepping in, maybe they stick with Hernan Gomez and maybe Parker kind of sticks and Grant Williams is the odd man out. Maybe they have, you know, a situation in which you have sort of situations where you know you have Tatum who's the starting um, power forward you have Hernan Gomez who's your backup 
And then you have Al Horford, who is sort of a combo, whereas you have Ennis Cantor, who's your backup center, and you have um, Horford as sort of that combo forward uh, center type guy. Uh, so this one could uh, take place. And then we have Romeo Langford as the third name they mentioned, which he hasn't proven himself, and just because he hit that buzzer beater doesn't mean um, it's a guarantee he's sticking around. But my best case scenario for Romeo Langford is he actually has a good enough season where he can be traded for something, whether that's a bigger name, smaller name, whether that's for someone to fit into that TPE. I mean, could the Celtics trade Romeo Langford down the line in some sort of trade with Memphis for Dylan Brooks? Maybe we get uh, Dylan Brooks and maybe they get Lankford and some other stuff. Potentially. Could we try something and go after someone who's more of a point guard ready guy, Colin Sexton, and trade away Lankford and some stuff to get Sexton? Because maybe he doesn't want to get paid in uh, Cleveland. Maybe they don't want to pay him. Who knows? But I think Lankford could get moved eventually if he turns into a good player. But right now... Uh, I think the uh, the word, we don't know what's going to happen with Langford. So I'd say right now he's probably not getting moved because he doesn't have as much value. So yeah, that's uh, that.